Are we there? Isaiah 48, verse 17. All right, now close your eyes. Just repeat after me. God has something good for me. And I want to know what it is. So I'm listening to his word. It brings revelation to my spirit. And I hear my spirit. And it overcomes my flesh. And it overcomes my mind. And fulfills the will of God for my life. In Jesus' name. Right here. Right now. All right, cool. Isaiah 48, verse 17. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer. Is he your Lord? Is he your Redeemer? Oh, gee, that was pathetic. Is he your Lord? We're talking about the Jesus who, you know, died on the cross. You know, who sat in the garden and went, you know, Father, I'm not really keen on this, but if you want me to do it, I'm going to do it who sweat drops of blood for you, who they took massive railway spikes and stuck them in his hands and in his feet, who they beat and whipped and put a crown of thorns on his head, who they hung on a cross where he died of suffocation in pain. Is he your Lord? Say, is he your Lord? We'll get there. He just went through all that and we can't even say yes properly. And he's your redeemer. We're going to look at that in a minute. The Holy One of Israel who teaches who? Yep, it says you. Anyone here are you? It says we're all sheep. Yeah, the Lord is our shepherd. So we're all sheep, right? So we're yous. Who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. She's a sheep farmer. (laughs) All right. I want to unpack this verse because there's so many things in here. Just in each word, there is power. You know, too often we just read through and we go, oh, that's a nice thought. But every word in this verse has power. So I want to pick out a few because otherwise we'll be here all weekend. But hey, we've got nowhere to go, right? It's a long weekend. We can do this. <laughs> we just had there's waffles in the freezer. <laughs> no, no, we feed on the word. You know, the disciples came back to Jesus and, and they said, you know, want some food? And he said, I've had food you know nothing of. The word of God. We don't need waffles. We got Jesus. All right, thus says, we'll leave the thus because that's a whole other word, but says, when God says something, you can take it to the bank. When God says something, it means it's done. If he says it, you can believe it, it'll happen. If you don't get impatient. Because you know what, too often we try and run ahead of what God's doing. And, and I get really annoyed when God shows me things that he says, you know, he's had me say, and then he goes and does it a long time down the track, and it's like, gee, if I'd waited. And he keeps showing me these things. 
And he actually uses us to prophesy because we speak the words of God. And you are a prophet into your own life. So you can either speak what the world says about you or you can speak what God says about you. See, because we should be saying what God is saying. Because when God speaks, it's power. All of creation came because God said he didn't create things out of nothing. He created them out of himself. Because in the beginning, God. And there's nothing else. And then what did he do? He spoke. He said, light, be. And there was light. Because his words have power. So if God says something, he's trying to impart something into your life. And he, when he speaks, it goes forth. It comes out. But not everybody receives it. The will of God isn't always done. If it was, everybody would be saved. Because his will is that none, get, none perish, right? Yes? So we've got to get out of the thinking that God's will just happens. God's will doesn't just happen. We have to play our part in it. Let that sink in. But when God says it, it goes forward and we have to receive it. And you can trust what God says, but you have to be in the point of receiving. Do we get that? Let that really sink down inside. Because so often we read the Word of God and we go, oh yeah, and it doesn't happen in the way we think it should happen or in the form we think it should happen. And so we sort of let it all go and, and we go, oh yeah, that didn't happen, that's not how it is. And we miss out on what God has for it. But if God says it, it's truth. It's happening. It's already going to work. But we have to be in the position to receive it. We right with that? Really important. All right? So God says it. He's not a man that he should lie. Numbers 23 says. Has he said it? Will he not do it? Has he spoken? Will he not make it good? That's what his word says. So thus says the Lord, your Redeemer. I love that. Lord, your Redeemer. <coughs> the Holy One. Let's look at Redeemer and Holy One. What does that mean? Redeemer, to be redeemed means to be set free. Yeah, if I wander down to cash converters and, you know, decide to hock off, I don't know, a guitar. So say a guitar. And I hock a guitar in there and they give me, you know, my $50 for the guitar. And they say, we're going to hold it for one month. And then I can go back within that month and I can pay my $50 back plus the numerous charges that go on it, so probably $100. And I can redeem that guitar back to myself. All right? So they hold it in bondage. Nobody can touch it. Nobody can go near it for that whole month. It's held. It's bound. They can't play it. They can't do anything with it. Nobody else can buy it. That's how we often are. We're often like that guitar where we're sitting on the shelf and, and we're bound up. And God really showed me this. He said, he gave me a picture of, of, of Jesus walking and, 
And these people walking behind Jesus and, and they were shackled. And he says, the only reason they've got shackles around their hands is because that's how they see themselves. Because they haven't taken me as their redeemer. You see, how you think about yourself is how you are. And if you're sitting there going, I don't like this about myself, I don't like that about myself, then stop thinking of yourself in that context. Because he has redeemed you. That means he sets you free from everything that Satan has. He sets you free from your old self. Now, I talked about it last week, that our old self is dead. We are a new creation in Christ. You've been redeemed. The old things have passed away. And we go, oh, but, but you know, I'm, I've been saved for so long, but I did this, I did that. That's your old self. Kill it off. Bury it. Stick it in the ground. Nail it to the cross. Stop thinking of yourself in terms of your sin and your failings, in terms of weaknesses. Change how you think because he is your redeemer. You know, when we, when we embrace our old self and we think of ourselves in that old way, we actually reject Jesus as our redeemer. Stop living. It's gone real quiet in here. Stop living the old life. Jesus set us free and we're there following him bound up and held down. Not by Jesus. He has set you free. He has redeemed you. He is the Holy One. And he has made you holy and righteous. Your old self is dead. So you can take the things that pull you down, whether it's sin, whether it's sickness, whether it's depression, whatever it is, the things that pull you down, and you can take them and put them on the cross and change how you think. You know, we, we live too much in this instant society. If you have a point that you're struggling on, you need to find what God says about it and apply it to that situation. If you're struggling with sickness or you're struggling with a sin or maybe depression or you're feeling you know, afflicted in some way, whatever it is, go to the Word of God. Take some time. See, we get lazy. We just go, oh, God's redeemed me. It's good. But we need to take that re redemption. We need to take what he's given us. So get God's Word. Find out what he says about your situation or about the challenge that's in front of you. And go to the Word of God. Find out what it is and then meditate on it. Think on it. Hold on to it and speak it over your life. And keep doing that until you break it and it no longer has hold of you. you know, we talked the last few weeks about, about the anointing that breaks the yoke. And the anointing means to get fat. And the Word of God, it's like a whole lot of Krispy Kremes. You know, if you went and bought a box of Krispy Kremes every day and you ate every one of those Krispy Kremes, what's going to happen to your body? It's going to be in bliss for the first day, questionable on the second day, I reckon about the third day. There's no resurrection there. 
you're going to start to get fat, aren't you? You know, if your whole diet was Krispy Kremes, you ate 12 Krispy, 24 Krispy Kremes every day. One, I reckon you're going to get sick of Krispy Kremes. But two, you're going to get fat, aren't you? You're going to start to look bigger and bigger and bigger really quickly. And what happens to your clothes when you start to get bigger? If you ate Krispy Kremes every day, what would happen? You'd start to do an incredible Hulk impression, you know? They'd start to rip. You have a nice big tear in your pants. You know, your shirts start to shred a bit because the pressure, the fat pushing out. That's what the Word of God will do to you in a good way. Think of it as Krispy Kremes with positive benefits. If you feed on the Word of God, your spirit starts to grow and it breaks off the things that constrict you and bind you and hold you in. And suddenly, the old self no longer fits. You've got to get a whole new spiritual wardrobe. You've got to change how you think. Because as you put in that word of God, the buttery, fatty goodness of God, it starts to change how you think. And you no longer see yourself as the old way. You see yourself in Christ. You see him as your redeemer, and you are redeemed. And your old self doesn't fit you anymore. It's in shreds. That's what it takes. And i got to say, one of my biggest frustrations is watching Christians go through stuff and go through stuff and go, it's really simple. Just take the Krispy Kreme Bible. Maybe we should write one. With little donuts on the side, and you know, you can color in the pictures. This one here, this is the chocolate filled custard section. You want to read this one, you know. This is the jam section over here. <laughs> you won't forget it, will you? Every time you see a Krispy Kreme, you think, oh, I've got to go and read my Bible. <laughs> but as you do, this is all, this is, this is how you defeat anything, guys. When you sit there going, oh, I've been struggling with this for years, 20 years, 30 years, oh, get what God's Word said about it. Just read it and read it and read it. But we get lazy or we get partway through and, and that verse that jumped out at us and meant something to us suddenly feels a bit dry and a bit, uh, too bad, push on. Push on. Ask the Holy Spirit to, to quicken it again to you or to give you fresh revelation and keep putting it in and putting it in morning and night. Eat it like you would eat it. Krispy Kremes, morning, breakfast, lunch and tea if you could. I mean, you would, wouldn't you, if you could? You would eat Krispy Kremes as often as you could if you didn't get fat with it. If it had, you know, if it had all the positive benefits of, of fruit and vegetables. Because, I mean, let's face it, you know, a custard-filled, chocolate-coated Krispy Kreme tastes fantastic. Except for Stuart who doesn't like custard. <laughs> That's the word of God. Take it, eat it, chew on it, and you will discover God as your redeemer and you will break the shackles off your life. 
And you can't step into what God has for you until you break that shackle and change how you think. And the rest of this verse will mean nothing to you until you can get to that point. Because you will always see yourself as defeated. You'll always see yourself as bound. You'll always see yourself in the context of your, the struggle that's in front of you and what the challenge in front of you. You'll always be see yourself through that context and it will frame your worldview. And you'll never be able to step into what God has for you. Because you see, God wants you to see life through His eyes, not your eyes. But as long as you are holding on to your old self, and not putting in the Krispy Kreme Bible and all the goodness that goes with it, you will never change your worldview. If you get nothing else out of this, go home and do that. I don't care if you start doing it right now. God, give me a revelation. Show me a verse. Take it. Write it down. Put it in your phone. Whatever it is. And then feed on it like your life depends on it. Absolutely. Because that's where your breakthrough is. That's where God has it. And He will transform you. And if you can break off that old thing, suddenly you have a whole new world in front of you. It becomes unlimited. But you have to tackle whatever is holding you in the shackle. You have to do it with the Word of God. There is no other way. You can come and get prayer to your blue in the face. But other people cannot break your shackles. Only Jesus can. And you will only walk in that victory when you get the Word of God in you. And you can say to me, oh, but are you telling me God can't handle your situation? And it's, you, know, you may go, I don't feel like it. Well, there's your problem. You can't live your life according to your feelings. You have to live it according to the Word of God. Because He has redeemed you. He's actually already done it. He said it. We looked a moment ago at what He says, that He is not a liar. He's not a man that He lies. His Word will go forward and fulfill it. But we have to receive it. I know I'm harping on this point, but I really want us to get this because this will break the yoke. All right, we'll move on. Let me tell you what happens after you break the yoke. goes on and says, I am. Anytime you read I am, and it's always written in lowercase, get your pen out and write it in your Bible in uppercase. Because when God says, I am, he's declaring he's the I am. And when God says, I am, you know, when, when he's before um, Moses, and he was sending, you know, the burning bushes there, and Moses standing in front of the burning bush, and, and God says to Moses, go on your head off back there, get into Egypt and set my people free. And Moses freaked out and went, me? Look, I just came from there. I killed a guy. They want me for murder. I'm probably the wrong person to go. And God says, no, no, you're going. And so Moses says, well, who do I say has sent me? And God says, I am. And we may go, what? But what does I am mean? I am means I am the God of every other God. It means I am the God who is the Alpha and the Omega. In other words, the beginning and the end of time. I am the God who created time. 
I am the God who is everywhere and knows everything. I am the all-powerful. Nobody can beat me. Crush everything in front of me. Overcome everything that comes your way. God. That's who I am. So when he says I am, he's saying I'm coming with all the weight and power and glory of myself. So he says, I am the Lord your God. In other words, I'm about to give you a promise and behind it is the full weight of everything I am. We okay with that? Because then he goes on and says, who what? Who teaches you to profit? The I am wants you to profit. Now we have, if you're like me and you've been around church for too long or you've just been in this world for too long, or not long enough maybe, who knows? We've got a whole eternity, so, you know, there's no worries. But if you hang around the world longer than five minutes, people will tell you that if you're a Christian, you're supposed to be poor and broke. That you're supposed to give away everything you have and have absolutely nothing. Now, if that was true, that means that God would be poor and broke because he's given away everything he has. And he has. He's given it to us. But see, that's a religious worldview of the world trying to put their view on us. And what they misunderstand, and this is what the devil didn't understand, is that actually when you do give, it actually prospers you. Because you see, when you give, you get into God's way of doing things. And he says, if you give, I give back to you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. So if you are a giver, then it will flow back to you, if your thinking is right. Which goes back to previous point. That you need to change how you think. How do you do that? Get the Word of God. Chew on it. Eat it. Like Krispy Kremes, morning, noon, and night. You won't ever forget this, will you? It's a Krispy Kreme, you'll think of the Bible. And it'll change how you think. But he says, I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit. God has a plan for you to profit. He actually has a plan for you to be wealthy. Because you see, God wants to bring change into this earth. And I don't know if you've noticed, but it actually takes being able to profit to do that. He actually wants to bless you. He wants to lead you by the way you should go. Jeremiah 29 says that God has a plan for your life, a plan to prosper you and not to harm you, a plan to give you a hope and a future. He actually has stuff for you to do here on earth. When he made you, when he thought of you, before the creation of the world, he went, you know what? For Rhea, I have this really brilliant plan. And Amy, I've got this other really brilliant plan, which is different to Rhea's. And then for Jade, there was this other really brilliant plan, which was different to Amy's and to Rhea's. And he just keeps giving plans and giving plans. He has a plan for you. And so often we go, oh, who am I for God to use me? 
Okay, go back to point number two. Get your Krispy Kreme Bible out and say, God, show me who I am. Because he says about you, he says that you're a king. He says that you're a priest. He says you're above and not beneath. You're the head and not the tail. He says you're a winner, not a loser, a success, and not a failure. Do you remember in 28 if you want to read all that through? About verse 13. He says, I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. I have a calling for you. And I will show you how to profit and how to walk in wealth and how to walk in health and how to change the world around you. And you know what? It's not through a social gospel. And that's where the church has got caught. We've got caught, convinced that we have to do this whole political system, we have to do this whole financial system where we have to you know, work in this not-profit world. And, and I was reading the paper yesterday, all the not-profits came together and they're all saying how we, we're crossing each other and you know, we're getting in each other's way and we're doing this. And basically the church has started operating in the world's way of dealing things. Yes, we need to have a social conscience. Yes, we need to be out there. We need to help the poor. We need to help those who are struggling. We need to look after those who are in problems. That's part of our calling. It's a big part of our calling. But we're not called to do it the world's way. You know what? God is, wants to teach you how to profit. He, wants to, he has a plan for you that as you step into his plan, you'll bring change. That's our social gospel is doing what he has called you to do. Are we still stuck on point number two? I feel like we haven't moved forward from there. I really, I really sense that there's a feeling around the room of, I'm just me. You know what? You're not you. You're dead. We talked about this last week. Wasn't it the week before? It says that you are crucified with Christ and it's no longer you that lives. So you're not just you, you're not even you. You're dead. You've been crucified with Christ. When you said, I accept Jesus my Lord and Saviour and you went down in that water in baptism, you went down in that water, I don't know if anyone told you this, but when you went down in that water, you were saying, I am dead to myself. And when you came back up, you went... I am alive in Christ, actually not me, Jesus is alive. So you're not just you. We've got to stop thinking small. I can always feel like God's in heaven going, oh, stop thinking like that. Because we're out there thinking, oh, if I can just make a difference in one person. God didn't make you to make a difference in one person's life. He called you to transform the universe. See, we're still thinking in terms of where we live, maybe the town you're in, maybe your neighbours. He called us to transform the universe. We have to get bigger thinking. He has a solution for the poverty in the world. He has a solution for the sickness in the world. He's already on to the rest of the universe and we're still stuck in our neighbourhood. And
And you may sit there and go, well, you know, we haven't solved. No, we haven't solved it because we're not being who God has called us to be. And we're not doing what God has called us to do because we're still walking around in chains going, poor little me. I'm just this. Oh, you don't know what I struggle with. I love what Jesse Planner says. He says, never fight an enemy he's already defeated. Isn't that great? Never fight an enemy who's already defeated. One, because they've got nothing to lose. Because they've already lost it all. And two, you've already won, so why are you fighting? See, we're not called to fight as in down in the trenches. We're called to walk out our victory. That's the fight we have. But we're so busy focused on ourselves and our own little situation and, oh, this is me and, oh, I can't do that. And, oh, as my grade four teacher says, can't isn't in the dictionary. To which we all said, yes, it is, look. But the point is we've got to take can't out of our vocabulary. You know, someone said to me this morning, gee, we're really full in here, it's getting crowded. You know, my first thought was we need to get a bigger place. Actually, no, we don't. We need to be out there doing hubs. We need to spread. We need to think bigger than just a bigger room. We've got a whole city to take. So why aren't we taking it? Because we're still seeing ourselves in the context of bound up, shackled, following Jesus. Where he's actually unlocked the shackles. And he's saying, take the shackles off. I've already given you the key. It's a Bible-filled Krispy Kreme donut. Read it. Eat it. You want to know what God's plan for you is? You want to know how he wants to transform the world through you? You want to know how he wants to bring change, the plan and the purpose and the profit he has for you? It comes back to simply the word of God. Changing how you think. That's what Romans says, that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind so we know his good, pleasing, perfect will. The problem is we're still looking at our old, sinful, dead self. And what you look at is what you become. And we know that, don't we? What you focus on. Because what you focus on is what you speak. And when you're under pressure, what you speak is what you really think. And if you don't like what you say when you're under pressure, then you just start to change that when you're not under pressure and start putting in the Krispy Kreme word. You've got to start filling up on his word. And take a verse. I mean, whatever your situation is, I implore you, find what God says about it. Just one verse is all you need and speak that verse and speak that verse and speak that verse until it is more a part of you than your own blood. And you will break the shackle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> um, well, when I had cancer in 1993, um, yeah, I just, I just devoured God's word. I remember this lady, she came and testified in the little church where I was 
and she she had had cancer. She was given three months to live. And the way she tackled it was she just read God's word all the time, just day and night. And then when I um, was told that I had it, I thought, oh, my goodness, you know. And then they told me I had, you know, secondary in my lung as well. It wasn't looking good. And I thought, oh, this is, this is going to be a bit of a fight. <laughs> so I didn't know what to do. So I just got into God's word and... And when Philip said, it's your life, it literally was my life. I knew that. I knew I've got to eat this and get it into me and get it into me until I get strong enough. And it was like God's word was fighting the cancer. And I really believe that's what happened. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Don't wait till then. I should remember um, Annette telling us long after that, that, I mean, the church she was in, it was only a small church, about as big as this, yeah. And the preacher used to preach a bit every week on healing. Yeah. He just preached on healing week after week after week because that was what he was strong at preaching on. He just kept preaching it. Mm. But you see that word going in when the time comes, suddenly you've got something to draw on. Yeah. It's, it's your life. And I think we take the word of God and we sort of, you know, at best, maybe flick it open five minutes, read it, I've had a quiet time, cool, go out into our day. At worst, maybe once a week at church, if then, we open it up. No. Your Bible should be like your companion. It should follow you everywhere you go. I used to take it to work with me. I put it in my bag, hoping that I'd get time where I could sit down and read God's Word. You know, if I'm sitting in the car and I'm waiting for the kids and, you know, they're taking longer than they should, you know, I open the Bible up on on my phone and I start reading. I go back over what God says to me. I have these little files where I put all the things that deal with topics. You know, phones are great things nowadays. You can do that. You know, or I have blue tabs all through my Bible or things like that or stick it notes and I write in the columns. I mean, it's just paper and ink until you take it in. Write all over your Bible. Underline the bits. Mark them. Your Bible, if you, the old saying is, if you've got a Bible that's falling apart, then you probably aren't. And if you're falling apart, I can guarantee your Bible looks really good. It's just paper and ink. It's the words that are life. This is like a key to breaking. It is the key to breaking off the shackle that is holding you where you are. It's what's robbing you of the promise that God has for you. It's what's holding you back from stepping into all you have. And it doesn't matter whether you're five or 105. God has a plan and a purpose for you. It is to profit you. It is to prosper you. It is to bless you. It is to bring a hope and a future, not just to your life, but to this world and to the universe beyond. But you have to. You have to. Eat it like it is your life. Or the shackle will not break. I've said enough, and the music's cool. Let's pray. In fact, I'm not going to pray. I'm going to leave you guys to pray for a minute. Just sit there in, in the presence of God and talk to Him about your situation. Whatever it is that's shackling you, that's holding you on. Whatever you need to break it off 
and say, ask God to reveal to you. Show me your word, Lord. Speak to me. Ask him to show you the word that will set you free. Because the truth of his word is, he plans to prosper you. He plans to give you a hope and a future. Whether it's sickness, whether it's sin, maybe it's depression, maybe it's issues in your life, whatever it is that you're facing and you feel like it's shackling you and holding you down, say, God, show me in your word. If you're sitting there going, you've got a list of them, then he'll give you a list of his word. I got about eight cards that sit by my bed. Morning and night, I feed on them. They're all marked through my Bible. I read them until I break off the things that shackle. Just take a minute. Got a verse wearing around on my head that says that God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us your love, that you've given us your power, that you've given us, Lord, a sound mind to walk in your truth. We want to bless you, Lord. I bless every person here that your word come alive, that you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen.